Matthew 14 and 25. This is such a familiar story. My goodness, I've preached from this scripture so many times, but I just love it. But something new today. Uh, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Mm. Lord, save me. Already walking with him, but sometimes you realize even when you walk into where he is, you need to say, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him. Had a worship service out there on the sea. And they said, Of a truth, you are the Son of God. Well, I tell you, you learn some things in the storm. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> There's some things that you'll learn in the storm that you won't learn anywhere else. Ecclesiastes 9 and 4, and after this I'll let you be seated. For to him that is joined to the living, there is hope. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope. And I love, I love this, this scripture. I love this line right here. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Let's pray to the Lord. Jesus, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all we've seen and felt and that we know you're going to do. Open our hearts to hear your word, to hear what the Spirit would say today. Encourage us and strengthen our faith. God, we're going to praise you for all things. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. God bless you. You can be seated. Man, it, it, it's hard sometimes when you're just preaching and you're reading your text and God starts showing you stuff that you didn't write down, but you're like, I can't get off on this. <laughs> but I tell you, there's some things in, in the scripture. It's always producing, putting out, but... But let me get to what I got today. We love this life living for Jesus. Amen? Amen. And when I came to him, it was so exciting. I was so amazed at what I was witnessing, what I was feeling, what I was hearing, what I was learning, the, new, the way my life was changing. And it's true what the scripture says, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And the old things are passed away, and now all things are made new. But then it says, Behold, all things are of God. So these new things, God was putting new things in my life, and, and there were new opportunities, things I never, ever, believe me, I never, ever dreamed, even had a dream 
anything that I would be standing behind a pulpit preaching the Word of God. I, I, I didn't, that was not even on the radar, not even in my galaxy. It wasn't even there. But now new opportunities, giftings, callings, anointings, ministries that God begins to put in our life, a chance even to be where he is and to do the things that he did. Because he said, the things that I do and greater things shall you do because I go to the Father. And so like Peter in this story, we step out in faith. And we step out with uh, maybe a little a little hesitation, but still in faith, and we have high expectations that we have heard from the Lord, and he said to come, so we step out, and guess what? We're doing it. We're walking on water. We're walking in the miraculous. We're walking in the steps that Jesus has ordered. We're doing it, and man, we're just excited about it, and we know we've got people behind us that are watching us doing it. We're thinking, look at me. Here I go. I'm on the water. I'm doing what uh, Jesus called me to do. And suddenly we realize that what was under our feet is around our ankles. And then suddenly it's to our knees, it's to our chest, it's to our neck. And we're thinking, I'm going to drown. Why did I ever do this? And if we are not, you, now you hear me because I'm fixing to get into it. If we are not careful, right in that very moment when we begin to sink, we can miss a greater opportunity and a greater miracle than walking on the water was ever intended to be. And we can let our ministry, our miracle, our calling, and our walk with Jesus disappear under the waves. So I want to preach to you today, just get back to the boat. Amen. Come on, somebody. Come on. Tell your neighbor, just get back to the boat. Clap your hands to the Lord and praise him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Let me tell you, you will never see a greater miracle than the saving hand of God in your life. You hear me, not just before you knew him, not, not just when he, he saved you from sin, but while you serve him. That's why even Peter, walking in the word and the faith of the word of the Lord, he cried out, save me. Because sometimes even as we begin to walk, we realize I, I need some saving. Lord, I need you to get me out of what I've got myself into. I know you said to come. I heard what you said, but I ain't doing what you said. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. I need a little help. Save me from this mess that I'm in. You ever been there? <laughs> come on. You, you can tell me you hadn't needed a little saving in your walk. But man, I need to rub shoulders with you if you hadn't. Come on and tell me what you're doing. Because just about every day, I'm like, Jesus, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from my thoughts. Save me from this wicked world. Save me from them things trying to reach out and pull me back. Save me. There is no greater miracle than the saving hand of God in your life. In Psalm 37, 23 and 24, the psalmist said, The steps of a good man. Oh, I feel like I've been doing pretty good, Lord. I've been doing good. I've been reading. I've been praying. I've been fasting. Though he fall. Who fell? The good man fell. The praying man fell. The preaching man fell. 
The singing man fell. The born again, Holy Ghost filled man fell. Come on, somebody. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Come on, somebody. There's no greater miracle than God's mercy. Lamentations 3 and 22 said it is of the Lord's mercies. Whose mercies? The Lord. Who loves you more than anybody? The Lord. Who's on your side? The Lord. Who's inside of you? The Lord. And it's the Lord's mercies. The one that bought you. The one that saved you. The one that washed you. The one that filled you. The one that called you onto the water. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. He don't fail. We might fail. He don't fail. If we fail, he doesn't. And he tells us if we have compassion on some, it makes a difference. Imagine how it is when God has compassion on us. He don't just have compassion on you when you decide to turn your life around. But he has compassion on you when you're doing your best to walk with him every day. When you're doing your best to live this life and serve him and hear him say well done. And you trip and you stumble and you fall. He has compassion on you when you begin to sink. He has compassion on you when you begin to doubt. He has compassion on you when you feel like your heart's going to break in two. He's always having compassion, honey. And if it wasn't for the Lord who was on our side, sometimes it's because he had compassion that we are not done away with. I'm glad today that the Lord still has compassion on his children. I'm glad that it's, I'm, not, I'm not aiming to make mistakes and I'm not trying to fall. I'm not trying to do things that are stupid, but I do. And it sure is good to know that he already figured in my, my, my mess that's in my mind. I'm glad that he already factored in that I'm a dummy sometimes, that I stumble sometimes. I'm glad he factored in. The Bible says he remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. He he. he he knows what happened in the beginning with the first man and the first woman. He understands what has happened with his children all along the way. But his mercy and where sin does abound, the grace of God does that much more abound. And whenever we make mistakes, grace is not just to those that don't know him or have never known him, but grace is to his children as well. If your kid asks for something good, you're going to give him a scorpion? You're going to give him a serpent. No, no, no. We're going to give him the good stuff. And friend, when, when we fail, he does not. He never stops loving us. He's always there with an outstretched hand. He wants us to do what he knows we can do. Can I tell you that God did not call you and I to see if we would work? He called us because he knew we would work. He's not trying us out for a position. The Bible says he has set every member in the body because he knows that's where it'll work. He didn't call Peter and say, follow me, because he wondered, would he work? Let me give him a little probation period. They know probation period. When you come to God, you're there. You, you, you own the job. You hired. You're in the body. You've been adopted. You've been put in one body by one spirit. You, you, you belong to him. He purchased you. And so he didn't call me because he's let me try him out, see if he, if he might be a good fit. He knew what I could do. I didn't know what I could do, but he knew what I could do if I would just trust him, if I would just serve him, if I would just follow him and listen to his words. God set me in the body. 
So don't surrender your faith while holding on to his hand. Get back to the boat. Get back to the boat. Because we think that the water and the waves and the storm are all so scary. But you know what's scary for us as his children? The trip back to the boat. You had your parents grab you by the hand when you had done something wrong, start walking back to the house. Oh, oh, oh. oh no. Listen, the greater miracle from Matthew 14 is not water walking. It, it wasn't a trip out, it was a trip back. That's the greater miracle. The faith to walk on water, hey, that's great. And if I see somebody walking across a swimming pool, I'm going to be like, what? If I'm ever out fishing and I see somebody just strolling across the water, I'm going to be like, I mean, yeah, I would like to do that. I mean, Peter, they saw him. They realized it's the Lord. They see him, and, and he's like, hey, man, let me come out there where you are. Walking on water is great, but what's it do? I mean, really, what's it do? It's not the gospel. Walking on water don't save nobody. Nobody getting saved because they walked on water. It's not saving souls. It's not preaching. It's not praying. It's not anything like that. And faith to walk on water isn't much good if it's just a one-way trip. I don't want to just find my way to a miracle and then drown after the miracle. I don't want to just get on out there to somewhere I had no business being and say, whoa, look at me walking on the water and then die and drown, make a mess, quit, surrender. Walking on water don't do any good if it's just a one-way trip because even with his permission, it still takes faith. Just because God said it was possible it don't happen unless we have faith. Well, I can do it because he said so. You can st still got to have faith. You still got to stay. Faith should be a round trip ticket. Don't die in the miraculous. If you begin to sink, grab hold of Jesus and say, save me. And just get back to the boat because that's faith. Oh, it takes faith to step out of the boat, but it takes faith to lift your hands up and say, God, save me. I got to believe that he can get me out of this mess. It takes faith to get back to the boat. So I'm telling you, the greater miracle wasn't just getting out there on the water because that don't do nothing but get you killed. But if you got enough faith to get back to the boat, because he wasn't going to spend the rest of his time walking around Galilee, walking by the shores, check me out. Here I go. Here comes that man walking on the water. That was not his calling. And sometimes we go into places that God never intended us to be. He allows it. It doesn't produce anything for saving souls, but it teaches us something. And Peter learned something on that water. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. But getting back to the boat, that's faith. Faith that God's not done with you just because I started to sink. Oh, God, let me come out there. I'm sure the Lord thought, why? But okay, come on. Let me teach you a little lesson. So what you do is you learn when you're on that water. 
You learn when you're in that place. And you get back to the boat and you live on what you learn. Tribulation works patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope maketh not a shame. There's no shame in going back to the boat. Come on, somebody. That's why I told you the boat's the, the boat is the scariest trip for us because we hate to admit that we couldn't keep walking on the water. I'm going to get there. When I read this story, it reminds me of a saying. Well, we'll live to fight another day. There's a story behind that saying. In August of 338 B.C., the Athenian orator and statesman Demosthenes was an infantryman at Conaria, where a great battle took place between the Athenians and the Macedonians. The Macedonians were victorious, and 3,000 Athenians died. Demosthenes fled from the battlefield. He was subsequently censored because of his desertion. But to anyone who later called him a coward... He would say, the man who runs away may fight again. And that's where we got the modern day version. He who fights and runs away will live to fight another day. Live to fight another day. Listen, I know we're not of them that draw back. We've got the victory already. We don't, so we automatically assume retreat is surrender. Sometimes retreating is just regrouping. Sometimes when you retreat, you're just regrouping because you know you can win, but you found yourself, you jumped the gun. You got there too early. You got in a mess. Does that happen? Yeah, it happens. God's people ever get in messes? Sure they do. Joshua leads Israel into the promised land, the promised land. They walk around Jericho, walls fall down, greatest Military victory in history up to that time, I'm sure. The next little battle, hey, hey but a few of us, AI, don't worry about it. Uh, we'll take care of them. Don't send everybody up. We'll get them. But they went up there, but, and they fought AI in this little old country of AI. They just whooped up on Israel and sent them running back home. And Joshua fell down on his face, and he's laying in the dirt, and he's crying. And he's like, oh, God. What are we going to say when we turn our backs to the enemies? And what are people going to, what are, what's this country going to say about you and about your people? And, and what are we going to do? And he said, what are you laying here for? Get up. There's a problem. Fix it. And we'll be back on where we need to go. In other words, uh, instead of staying there and fighting until they were all consumed, because there was no way they could win because they had sin in their camp. If the whole nation of Israel had gone up, they would have all been destroyed because they could not win. Because they were going against God's word. And he said, get it right and we'll get going. And that's what they did. And they went back up there and they won the battle. And God was faithful to his word. But what they did was they lived to fight another day. But Joshua's problem was that he was embarrassed. We just won the greatest victory ever. Because the Bible says that his name was noised abroad. The fame of Joshua and Israel went out everywhere. He said, we're famous now. Everybody's watching us. We can't make a mistake. We can't fail. But he fell down in the promised land. In the land with the dust of the land of milk and honey on his face. He's crying out to God saying, what is going on in my life? And he said, get up 
get it right, get it back, and we'll keep going. And that's exactly what they did. And sometimes in our life, we're walking on water. We're walking in the miraculous. We're walking in the steps that God has called us to, that he ordered. And we find ourselves beginning to sink. We've made a mistake. We've got distracted. Something's happened. we got sin hiding in our life somewhere. And we start sinking. And instead of crying out, we just let ourselves drown. But I'm telling you today, that's not what God wants because the greater miracle, greater than walking on water, is watching somebody walk on water, trip and fall, and then watch the mercy of God scoop them up and say, come on, son, let's get you back to the boat. Because I didn't call you to drown. I called you to preach. I called you to be a fisher of men. And God didn't call you to die in your dilemma. He didn't call you, call you out so you could just be obliterated in the middle of your, your fight, in the middle of your war or whatever's going on. He called you to victory. He called you to win. He believes that he can say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. But if you don't make the trip back, when you fall, if you decide this is where I'll die, Uh-uh. You get back to the boat because that's still faith. Anybody wants to look side-eyed at you because you get climbing back over the rail? It still took faith to get back here. And you live to fight the good fight. You live another day to preach, to pray, to serve. You, you, you get another day where you can try to get it right because the mercy of the Lord is new every morning. There's no saying... When you fall off that horse, you get back up on it. You ever fell off your horse, Sister Amber? All the time. Still riding, though, aren't you? That's what you do. Because I know how to ride. I didn't forget how to ride when I fell off. I, I still love riding. It, it brings me great joy. I, I love it. I, I know how to do it. I've been doing it all my life. But sometimes, even when you know how to do it, you fall. But you don't just quit. You get back up, and you do it again. You get right back up on that horse and you ride that horse again. And if he throws you off, you get back on him. Because that's what we do. And when it feels like we've been thrown, then we get back up. There's an old Japanese proverb that says, fall down seven times, get up eight. Well, I fell seven times. How can I get up eight? You know what he's, he, he's already talking about the future. He said, what I'm telling you is that if I fall seven times, I'm getting up, and I'm going ahead and putting number eight in the bank because I can guarantee you eight's coming, but I still know I can get up. I still know I can make it. And so when we're walking for God, we might fall down seven, but I'm getting up eight. I'm going ahead and letting the Lord know I'm putting the enemy on notice to everybody else. You might see me fall, but you're not going to see me quit. You're not going to see me stay down. You're not going to see me give up or surrender. I'm getting back to the boat. I'm getting back in the boat. I'm going to the worship service. Said they got back in the boat and said they all came down and started worshiping him. Said, oh, truly, you are the son of God. They, they, they got a, a revelation in the storm of who he was. And it wasn't just because he could, the wind stopped or he was walking on water, but I, I believe it was they saw what he did with Peter. They got a visual of Jesus saving souls, pulling them out of the deep, pulling them out of the darkness. Oh, what a sight that would have been. Hey, the, the walking on water, that's cool. But to watch this man reach down and take that other man by the hand and pull him up, pull him out, 
and walk him back to the boat, get him back to where he could be safe, get him back to where he could dry off, get him back to where he could worship, get him back to a place where he could have revelation, get him back to a place where he could live, to preach, to pray, to fast, to witness, to do the miraculous, to live, to fight the good fight of faith another day. I'm telling you, saints, so many times we want to give up, we want to quit, we just want to walk away, but I'm telling you, get back to the boat. Get back to where your revelation of who he is. Get back to a place of worship, of worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Get back to that place. You might be cold and wet and dripping with, with the, the waves of the failure all over you, but hey, get back in that boat and worship God because guess what? You'll dry off. And when that boat lands and you get off and you keep going, it'll be a memory in just a few, just a little while. There'll just be something that happens. Oh, but in the boat. Why is the boat so scary? It's scary to us because of the ones who saw us step out. That's where they're at. You know what's in the boat? Judgment. That's scary. You know why people don't come back to church? Come back to the boat? Judgment. Warranted or not, that's what they think. I'm going to be judged because, man, I was like, I was the only one that's perked up. I was the only one that said, let me get out and walk on water. Look at me. Here I go. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Oh, I'm sinking. And now, they, what are they saying about the whispers are in the boat? The gossip's in the boat. Being shunned is in the boat. Oh, look at him. He's sinking. Yeah, give me my widow's might. I told you he was he, was, he wasn't going to make it. Sinking. What's Jesus doing, though? Surely he would just let him drown. I mean, he failed. He was all high and mighty out there walking on there. Look at him sinking. There. And now Jesus is just going to pull him back up. Oh, shh, shh, here they come. Here they come. You know what? That's what Jesus does. And if, listen, 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 listen. If Jesus doesn't let him drown, then we shouldn't shun him when he gets back in the boat. If Jesus won't let them drown, then we don't cut them off. If Jesus don't let them drown, oh, when they get back to the boat, hey, then we don't stop praying for them. We don't stop loving them. We don't stop caring about them. We don't stop showing compassion. There's a lot of them with the hands sticking up out of the wave saying, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. And I pray to God that when they get back in the boat, we'll be saying, come on and worship the Son of God with me. You come sit down beside me. You can sit on my row. You can sit on the front. Come on, you can dance. You can shout. But just come back to the boat and worship with me. If Jesus won't let them drown, we shouldn't, we shouldn't cut them off. If drowning is what kills them and he saves them, then we shouldn't kill them when they get home. Galatians 6 and 1, brethren. You know who was in the boat? His brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault or in a wave or in a sea, ye which are spiritual, ye which are spiritual, when you have the mind of Christ, when you love like he loved, when you're kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you, when you have that kind of love, when you have that spiritual mindset, restore 
Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself. Put yourself in their place. Lest you also be tempted. In other words, it won't be long until we find ourselves soaking wet in the waves of failure. And I hope someone restores me and not rejects me. Let me say that again. He said, you do this restoring, don't be high and mighty about it. And like, well, I know you messed up, and if you was like me, you wouldn't have done that. But uh-uh. Put yourself in their shoes. How would I feel right now if that was me? And I had to walk back in the room, into the sanctuary, where I've run and shouted and preached and done and but now I've done this. What will they say? What are they saying? Will they receive me? Will they reject me? Will they love me? Restore me? Have mercy on me? Or will they show me the door? Will I be sitting on the back row in the corner all by myself because nobody wants they won't even come take my offering? What is it? I hope somebody will find me and restore me and not reject me. Oh. Oh, I want the mind of the Lord. I want the heart of Jesus in this because I want people to get back to the boat. I want people to get back to where they can be safe. I want them to get back to where they can worship. I want them to get back to where the Son of God is. I, I want to see them restored. I want to see them back in a place. Now, that is one reason people don't come back to the boat. Because to them the boat is scary. But that's not always the case. Sometimes they don't come back because it's them. Proverbs 16 and 18, it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Sometimes it's our ego. It's our pride. And those are the weights that pull us under. Sometimes it's, I just, there's no way I can't, I can't go back in. There's no way I can go back in there. I can't, knowing, I think really in their mind they know. It's, it's not that they think anybody would even judge them. It's that, no, they're going to love me, and that's more painful. It's more painful for them for somebody to say, welcome home, because they can't hardly bear that grief, that, that feeling that they get that I'm not worthy of that, but it's not about that. We just love you, and we want you back in the boat. We want you to get back to where you can serve God and worship God. That's what we want. We want you back. And there's sometimes it's, but it's that, it's that pride, it's that ego, it's that they just can't get that off. It don't mean that they're prideful in, in just a, you know, a, an arrogant way. Sometimes it's just that, it's, it's just they're trying to save face. You know, it's just they, 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 they don't, they don't want to be labeled a failure. They've already labeled themselves a failure. They just, they don't want to walk in thinking that. And, and so that kind of pride, it goes before destruction. Sometimes... Our pride, though, is that arrogancy. And when we sink, instead of reaching for the Lord, we start swimming. 
I got this. And we're swimming around in our pride and we're treading water in our ego, but you can only do that for so long because the Lord's going to move. If you ain't calling out to him, he ain't stopping. Look at Bartimaeus crying out to Jesus, crying out to Jesus and said, the Lord stopped. I want to make sure that I'm not swimming around in my pride. Oh, I got this. Getting tight, more, more. Just You know, when you swim, no matter how good a swimmer you are, you know that with every stroke, a little more energy is leaving you. And before long, you can't even move your arms. But you're an excellent swimmer. But I've done all I can do. You need Jesus. You need that hand. You need to take that hand and get back to the boat because no one, and don't be worried about the boat, nobody in the boat died for you. Nobody in the boat called you. Nobody in the boat anointed you or gifted you. It wasn't them. Take the hand of the one who did and live to serve him another day because the mission that you have for him is greater than the mistake you have made. Have faith, call out, grab his hand, walk in faith back to the boat. Whether I'm sinking or being sifted, I pray that my faith won't fail. Not just faith to walk out, but faith to walk back. I've said this many times, and I'm sure somebody else has before, but, but one day just reading and studying and going, and, and it just came to me that the greatest act of faith that any person will ever enact is not opening the eyes of the blind, raising the dead. None, mm -mm. The greatest act of faith you'll ever uh, act out in your life is when you repent. Because it's so hard to believe for ourselves. But when we can get down and kneel before a holy God and with as much humility as we can have say Lord forgive me for my sins I believe that you are the son of God that died for me I believe that you rose from the dead I believe these things and I believe you can fix me and forgive me friend that takes greater faith than stepping out of a boat to believe that somehow all your mistakes can be washed away in the blood of the lamb that was slain. That's the greatest act of faith you'll ever have. And honey, you can get your musicians if you guys want to come on in here. Hallelujah. Now listen, we can talk. We can talk about this wet and cold fisherman. We can, we can examine him and dissect him and all, all we want to. We can judge him for his little faith. But two chapters later, Jesus says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, the rock that could walk on water, Cephas, the stone that could walk on water. But two chapters later, Jesus calls him blessed and gives him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, I have never thought about that with this until today. But I want you to hear what I, what I said a while ago. Sometimes you get a revelation in the storm. When Jesus asked 
the disciples, the 12. He, he said, I want to know who you say I am. Well, they don't all just over-talk one another. Peter seems to kind of be that spokesman for the bunch. He's the one that stands up on the day of Pentecost. And he, Peter's always first to answer something, whether it's right or wrong. He, he's going to open up. And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, Peter, you're blessed because flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father revealed it to you. And so I always just thought somewhere along the way he got that revelation, but, you know, just picking up on it with all the things he was seeing. But it makes a point to tell us when Peter and Jesus get back to the boat that they're worshiping him saying truly that means they've come to a ooh truly you are the son of God hmm hmm uh, don't overlook the lessons that the Lord's trying to teach you cause then you might just miss your keys Be so quick to, that storm, just a mess. It, it just ruined my life. Oh, what did you learn? That truly you are the Son of God. That was what they were all saying as they worshiped him. So when he says, who do men say that? Well, you're this one, you're that one, you're that prophet, you're this, you're John the Baptist. I, well, who you say I am? To see if anything's changed, to see if you learned anything in the storm, or was it all emotion and you forgot it as soon as we got to dry land? They didn't forget it. And Peter answered for all of them because nobody corrected them, interjected, and said, That's right, that's him. He, that, that was consensus. You are the Son of the living God, you are the Christ. I think that part of that. Peter said, you are the Christ. I think it's because he had the same revelation that the woman in John 4 had. That if he would save me when my faith was low, he's got to be the Christ. Because she said, here's a man that's told me all I've ever done, and he's offered me living water. He's, he's ready to save me, and this has got to be the Christ. Oh, you learn something in those, in those things. And I hope what you learn is that the, the greatest trip is, and the greatest miracle is the trip back to the boat. And so Peter may have not been an expert on water walking, but he did preach the message that birthed the church and it's still going on today. So don't let your revelation drown. Get back to the boat. Stand with me this morning. Uh, don't let your revelation drown. Or as the old song said, don't doubt in the darkness what God showed you in the light. Now, maybe you feel like you're beginning to sink. That's the ideal time to cry out. It's a little tougher when you're up to your neck. Maybe, you, maybe, maybe you're treading water by now. You hear me? 
because I know that the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody in here right now. And there ain't no judgment in this house. And there ain't no condemnation in this house. But I pray a spirit of conviction begins to fall so that we won't tread water till we die. But instead, we'll begin to lift our hand and say, save me. Save me. So whether you're just beginning to sink or you're treading water, or maybe you're just afraid of getting back in the boat, I'm asking you to take his hand because that's the safe place. John 10 and 28, Jesus said, if they're in my hand, no man can pluck them out. That's the safe place. Take the hand of Jesus. And if he is walking you back to the boat, it's because you're not done. He didn't let Peter drown because, Peter, you're not done. You're not done. You're still here. It's not over. And you still have a work to do. And so for just a moment, I want us to just bow our heads. And I want you to think about this situation you're in right now. How deep in it are you? It doesn't matter because he's a very present help in time of trouble. And you can't be so high or so low that he can't find you or reach you or be where you are. I want you to think about where you are right now and think about maybe where you used to be or where you want to be. And I rebuke the spirit of pride and ego right now that it'll let go because it's, it's a destroyer. Lord, I pray a loosen on this household right now that the weights of sin and pride, ego and destruction will, will just begin to fall off. Uh, I rebuke the spirit of condemnation right now. That fear of walking back into the midst of the boat, into the midst of the brethren, into the midst of the church, the body that, that God placed you in, I rebuke that right now. you've got a work to do you got a work to do God's not done with you it's not over for you you hear what the Spirit's saying to you today you hear what the Lord is saying calling you of the Lord still stretched out saints they're going to begin to play and I'll be honest I didn't know if we were going to come running and shouting in this altar or we were just going to be coming worshiping in this altar but I feel like we're going to come in as Peter came back to the boat they came into a worship service and so we're just going to try to recreate some of that now and so all that will while they begin to play and sing with your hands lifted I want you to walk toward this front come toward this altar I want you to picture yourself climbing over the side of the boat. Climbing back into your ministry. Climbing back into your calling. Climbing right back into that anointing. Come on. Climbing back into your church. Getting connected. 
getting dedicated, getting committed, getting back into your consecration. I'm climbing back in, Jesus, and I'm going to worship you. Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. Walk to this altar today. Walk back to the boat in Jesus' name.